0: Happy Easter. Guys, he's risen. This is what we're celebrating. Man, amen. Yo, a lot of new people. So I just want to give you a quick introduction. My name is Mark. I am the pastor, lead pastor here at New Hope Kailua. Um, Quick story about me. Uh, I grew up in this, on another Pacific island called Vancouver Island. It's a lot colder. It's up in this place called Canada. Anybody ever heard of Canada, Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's where my, my wife is from. Um, so I grew up there. I, 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 was, I was born there, and I grew up here. I moved here when I was really young. And from the time I grew up here, God has drawn me, in a really short way to say it, God has drawn my heart to this Aina, to this people, to this place, and this is my home. Uh, I'm a dual citizen, but i would give up both passports to recognize that I'm first a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Um, so this is just something interesting about me, but my testimony goes something like this. I grew up, my dad is a pastor. Many of you guys know he was the pastor here. We just transitioned this last year. But I grew up in a Christian school. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in church. I was in the thickness of the Christian bubble. Any Christian bubble, people? Oh, come on. (laughs) It was the best, safest, amazingest place to grow up. But what I didn't realize was that in the beautifulness of the Christian bubble was my lack of ability to commune with God himself. I couldn't hear his voice. I didn't know what he, he sounded like. I didn't know what he felt like. I didn't know how to, to understand his path for my life. And so I went through some rocky times. I always kept a faith in Jesus. But what I've realized is that over the years, God has been faithful at showing up when I need him most. Amen. Anybody can testify to that? Amen. So I have been wandering. I have been lost. I've been making all kinds of bad decisions. But something changed in my faith when I realized the goodness of the gospel and its transforming power. That this isn't just information. We're not here to celebrate a fairy tale. I'm not up here reading you guys Harry Potter and we can go home and clap, right? It's not what we're doing. We're recognizing that the living God lives and breathes among us, stirs up things in our spirit to live as new people on this earth, and it happened because we had a Savior who was crucified and resurrected. Amen? Amen. <laughs> This is what we're celebrating. So for me, that moment came. I was kind of at the end of my college career, and I was like, eh, I believe in Jesus. I don't really like church. <laughs> I grew up in church. I grew up in the bubble. I kind of wanted to find my own way. And God had his way of just speaking this life over me that this is your calling. There's a purpose for you. And I'm going to share some of the, a little bit of my testimony today as it fits into the gospel because if we don't understand the transforming power of what we're about to hear, we're going to miss it altogether. Amen? So I want you just right now, let's pray. I want to pray for this for you. And maybe church is new for you. Maybe you've been coming to church your whole life. But I want to pray this over you, that there would be an openness in your spirit to receive whatever the Holy Spirit wants to give you this morning. Can we do that? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for this amazing story, the greatest story ever told. We thank you, Lord, that there is something in the air when we're in your presence. Father, that we can never be the same after we've been introduced to you. And so, Lord, we pray that that this story, for many of us, we've heard it time and time again, would come to life in a new way, not because of my words, but because of your spirit. Jesus, have it sit in our hearts Help it to bring new life out of us. And Lord, may we be a people called to a higher purpose here in this building this morning. We love you, Jesus. It's for your glory alone. We pray this in your name. All God's people said, amen. 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 Come on. So God has been good to me, my family, for everyone. And I want to go to this. This is Easter. We celebrated on Good Friday that he paid a price that we could never pay for our own sins. The wages of sin was death. And Christ had to die to pay for what we couldn't pay for on our own, even in our own obedience to the law. The Bible's really clear. It's like, pff, you want to try following rules to be a good person? See how far that goes. <laughs> Anybody perfect in following rules in your life? Hallelujah. Welcome to the house. None of us are. This is good news for all of us. But Matthew 28 starts like this, or it ends like this. The disciples get to the tomb. After Jesus was crucified, they put his body in a tomb. And it says, do not be afraid, said the angel. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. His body's right here. But it's just that his his spirit has left. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. You guys are too smart for that, huh? (laughs) Everyone's like, this is wrong. L-O-L, just kidding. That's not actually how the the scripture goes. Anybody catch that? Oh, I'm keeping you on your toes today. You guys better know. I'm I'm gonna teach you all kind of weird stuff if you're not paying attention. You guys better open your eyes. This is not what happened. Here's the real version. Here's the real version. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, said the angel. Amen. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And this is what's wild. Even the disciples in the moment ran back. The women ran back to the disciples and were like, someone must have taken this body. It's gone. We don't know where it is even still didn't understand their minds weren't open to everything Jesus said leading up to this point, even when they saw into the tomb. And I want to ask this question, because maybe you ask it too around Easter. Why do we cling to this story of the resurrection so much? Why does it matter that Jesus' body disappeared out of that tomb? And so we have this answer, and I want to show you this real quick. 1 Corinthians 15, it says this. He says it really succinctly, succinctly. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? And here Paul is talking to people who are being like, no, nah, there is no life to come. Jesus isn't coming back. There's going to be no resurrection. He's like, wait, what? We preach that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. So if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either, right? And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and our faith is useless. Who? And if we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave, but that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. Right? It goes on to say this. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. (laughs) I love this. And if our hope is in Christ is only for this life, what more, what are, we are more pitied than anyone else in the world. Here's another: what Paul is saying. If you take away the resurrection out of the story, everything's useless. What are we even doing here? I can tell you things. Hey, your life is going to be better if you follow rules from the Bible. But that's going to get you so far before you realize there's a deep transforming work that God is not just after your behavior. He's after something so much deeper. And this is what's been prophesied thousands of years before Jesus came. Book of Jeremiah, it says this. I'm coming. God's going to return to his people, rip out this stony heart, and give you a heart of flesh. He's giving you something new. So here's what we're going to talk about today. We're not seeking in church, in Christianity, we're not seeking perfection. We're seeking newness. Amen? So you don't have to be perfect to be here. But we're expecting that this story is going to do something to us. It's going to change us. And if it doesn't, then I wonder if we're actually putting our faith in what matters most at the center of what we believe in Christianity is that Christ rose from the dead. And so this is absolutely central. We're going to jump over to to the book of John. We've been going through the book of John. And it says this. This is the story of... Mary Magdalene on her way to the cross. She says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, and she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, and the one that Jesus loved and said that they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Somebody took his body, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. He saw strips of linen lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on his head, Jesus had a separate cloth wrapped around his head and one on his body, the one lying with the linen wrappings but folded up and placed by itself. It's a very interesting detail. In Jewish culture at that time, if you're sitting at the dinner table, you know how it's pretty similar for us. You know if you're at like one nice restaurant, Like, real, like, high maca kind. And you're supposed to put the napkin on your lap. Like, for me, I, like, just throw them over my shoulder, yeah? So I just throw them over my shoulder, and it's easier to wipe my face and stuff, but you're supposed to put on your lap and, you know, manners and stuff. So when you have that kind of napkin, what happens is when you're done, usually here, what do we do? We put our napkin on the table, and it signifies to the waiter, come take my plate. For them, it was similar, but if you are to go to the bathroom to come back to your plate, you would fold your napkin nicely to signify I'm not done. I'm coming back. You with me? Jesus left his face cloth folded to signify to these disciples, it ain't over yet. (laughs) Amen? I'm coming back. I'm not gone. He saw them. Sorry, when the disciples saw They believed, and it says this. They did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They followed this dude for three years, saw his miracles, heard his teachings, and were like, this dude knows what's up. This guy's good. He can do stuff. But they're like, oh, shoot, you're the son of God? It took him three years in an empty tomb to figure that out. Praise God, because how many of us are boneheaded when it comes to following Jesus sometimes? Come on, let's get some honesty in there. Amen. I'm the king of the boneheads. I'm one of these guys. That God has done so much for me and I still forget, oh shoot, God, I forgot you could do that. <laughs> He's like, it's in the Word. So, it goes on to say this, and we're going to switch up because this is where it gets really exciting and I want to make sure that it's not in boring English. So, verse 15 switches to pigeon. Jesus wouldn't tell her, hey, sister, how come you stay crying? Who are you looking for? Jesus would show up. She takes you the guy to take you out of the tree and she'd say, oh, mister, if you would take him away, tell me where you would put him. And I go and take the body for burial. Jesus say, hey, Mary. <laughs> I was practicing that one. She turn around and tell, Rabbi Nai. That's how the Jew guys are like, hey, kumu. He's back. And so it goes on. Jesus said this. Jesus went and tell, hey, don't no touch me because I got to go up to my father still yet. But, hey, try go talk story to my brothers and my sisters and tell them, I going up there by my father and your father and my God and your God. Then Mary from Magdala, she went "Hele to the guys. Hey, I went see the guy in charge as Jesus. Then she went tell him the kind, all the kind that Jesus went tell her. Amen? Oh, whoo. <laughs> wow. Different the kind, huh? So different in that language. So good, bro. So good. But here's the deal. If we know the story after that, we know what happens is that Jesus starts showing up to all the disciples. And they take the testimony of the women because the women are right. Amen? Women are right. Let's take your notes. The women were right. And it's so fun. Nah, I won't go in there. There's this whole thing where the disciples like fully gaslight them. Like, what are you guys talking about? You're crazy. We don't believe you. And then fully like, like, oh, shoot, they were right. Jesus did show up. So Jesus shows up to all the disciples. Thomas comes. He's like, I don't believe that he was actually here. And he's like, hey, like, see the holes in his hand. Jesus went, show the holes in his hand to Thomas. And Thomas is like, oh, nah. (laughs) It is you. Beautiful story. But one of the things that we do, we make the mistake when we're reading this story, is we read it and we leave it there. Oh, good story. (laughs) How many of you guys get at family gatherings, get one uncle or auntie, one grandpa who can tell just the meanest stories? And everyone just sit around. Amen. And we just sit around and listen to those stories. There's something about listening to a good story that goes beyond. Why do good, people, why do good storytellers, why are they good storytellers? Because they have a way of immersing you in that story. They have a way of making you feel a certain way when you hear that story. And I just want to say, too, I was just like processing this week. And I was processing, and I was like, oh, bro, like, the fact that just looking, just being real, like being here in this room, this is a family story. We all know this story, but the the humility that came over my heart, like the gratitude that I get to be the one to share the story this morning, like, wow, amen. God is good. This is the greatest story ever told. But I want to just kind of make really quick, really practical things for us to take away. What does this mean that Jesus was raised from the dead now that we have hope What does this hope actually look like? And for most of us, we believe this, but then we can go back into the real world and it still feels pretty hopeless. And I turn on the news and like, yep, still hopeless, right? It's really easy to see the hopelessness in the world. Here's the hope, the first hope that I want you to be really clear about is number one, that we've been redeemed. This is a very Christian-y word, redeemed. What does that mean? It means that you were deemed something, you were given value, You've lost that value, but now that value has been reclaimed. Amen? This is what it means to be redeemed. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You were someone created in the likeness and image of God, whom sin has corrupted, and now through Christ, he doesn't see that side of you anymore. Do you believe that? That love keeps no record of wrongs, so God, being love, will not keep a record of wrongs when you have faith in Jesus. He's ripped that up years ago. (laughs) Hallelujah. So I don't have to come to God and be like, hey, God, do I still have value? Do you still love me? Did you see what I did? Have you seen the things I've been thinking about, the things that I've been speaking, the way that I've been treating these people? God's like, eh, repent, turn around. I'll wipe your list clean because he's already paid for it. There's There's no more lingering costs. You have been fully redeemed, son and daughter of God. You have been fully redeemed. Let that sink in. That upon your confession of faith in Christ, when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just, forgives you of your sins and wipes away all your unrighteousness. All of it. That thing you said that you still regret today, it's gone. It's covered. The thing that you did years ago, the thing that seems, the habit that kind of radiates and feels like it's your slave master because you can't get away from it, That's been covered already. Amen? This is the truth of the gospel. So we live freely, not in our perfection, but because he's doing something to make us new. This is where freedom comes from. So let me say it this way. In Genesis, how does God, what's God's relationship with evil? Evil enters the world. We know the story Adam and Eve, apple, naked leaves, all that whole thing. They do that over, if you read Genesis, God continually, the only way to get rid of evil out of people is to get rid of the people. I'm going to flood the whole earth of the wicked. I'm going to rain down on Sodom and Gomorrah because the whole thing is wicked. God has this little change of heart and he says, this isn't working. Because if I keep trying to get rid of evil by getting rid of people, I'm going to have no people left. Amen? This is the reality of what we are living with. So the Old Testament, God creates a system where he's like, let's let lambs take the price. Now, lambs would cover over the sin of those who were making the sacrifice, So if I sacrifice a lamb, I cut the bugger's neck, and it'll blow, right? Sorry for the graphics. But that blood would cover over temporarily, but there was a problem. The problem was that I could sacrifice lambs and still go and have sin in my heart. It was covering it, but it wasn't paying for it. Does that make sense? We were borrowing the blood from the lamb, but it wasn't fully our redemption yet, So God's like, after a thousand, if you were at Good Friday, we did the math, 280 million or something is a safe number of how many lambs were slain before Jesus came. So Jesus comes onto the scene and he says, God says this way, no longer am I going to temporarily cover over your sins like the lamb did. No longer am I going to have to kill humanity to get rid of the evil like it was back in the day. There's a new way. Here's the new way. I'm going to come in, pull the darkness out of you. Through death, you are going to die the same way Christ died to your old life. And in that, in my spirit, you're going to have new life. So what does that mean? You are going to die almost like they did in the flood, almost like they did in Sodom and Gomorrah. You would die because you have sin in your life. There's stuff I don't have to tell you what it is because you know what your junk is. Amen? I can tell you my junk, but you got to tell me your junk because I cannot tell you what your junk is. But you know, God knows, and here's the point. It's been totally covered because God is that good, and His grace is that sufficient. So God found a way to where we could die like they did in the Old Testament, but raised to new life in Christ, and now no longer do we have a temporary covering of our sin that will get us through we have put that baby to death so that everything that's new is the reality of heaven that God has called us into. He says, pray for this, that everything on earth would be as it is in heaven. Amen? The fact that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us means this. When Christ died, the Spirit filled us up. That means this. You are pure enough of a temple for God himself to dwell in. Amen? You have been cleansed. You're like, but oh, how can I, if I still think like this and blah, blah, You have been cleansed because the price, death, sin, evil, have no weight in your life anymore. Amen? And I want to tell you a testimony because this has been, well, I'm going to get there. I'm going to hold on because I'm going to get nuts over this. But you have been redeemed. Here's, if you know, King Luna Lilo, mid-1800s, we just found this. This poem just kind of got found in the archives. But I want you to read this poem from a man who found Christ. And had an authentic relationship with Jesus. Alii. He says this: lo the monarch's arm uprising. Suddenly the islands freed. Oh, that uh, oh, the hour that blows surprising, God inspired the wonderful deed. Idols then and mores perished, ceased and halted tabu's spell. Oh, if idol sins be cherished, family graven idols fell. "'Rinse from sloth, ye sunny islands. "'Start from sleep, green Hawaii. "'Hark to all your vales and highlands. "'Sounds the gospel cry, be free. "'Haste, O haste, to Judah's lion. "'Light your path by God's own word. "'Sing no song but songs of Zion. "'Trust no God but God our Lord. "'Lo, the crimson light of morning "'gleams from eastern skies afar.'" Rise and catch the glorious dawn. Rise and hail Messiah's star. Amen. Hallelujah. There is a depth of faith lingering in this poetry. Amen. That depth of faith comes in trusting that somebody has gone and paid a price for us that we couldn't pay on our own, but has resurrected us to new life. Amen. Amen. That's so good. So here's number two if you're taking notes. Here's what hope. Number one, you've been redeemed. Say it to yourself I've been redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right, says Psalms. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell people that you have been redeemed. Number two is that you've been refilled. (laughs) You have been refilled. Jesus says it this way. He's like, why do you keep old wine around it? Or why are you trying to keep your old wine skin? That's the old stretchy bag they used to put wine in. He's like, why are you holding that? Because when I put new wine in, the whole thing's exploding. I'm trying to do something new in you. But you keep holding on to these old things, this old way of life, and the new wine isn't sufficient with your old way of life. So he is filling us like new wine with a brand new purpose. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're changing. If you confess faith in Jesus, I can tell you this, this morning, this is true. You're a changing person. Oh, you're dangerous. You're a dangerous mother, father, son, daughter. You are dangerous because... The power of the living God has access to your heart and the world is not going to be the same because he lives in you. Can I get an amen? amen? This is the truth. This is the calling of the body of Christ. So there's no perfect people. There's just a lot of new people. There's a lot of newness. I put to death the ways of old and I bring back to life something that is new. <laughs> Transformation. I heard it said this way. Transformation is not an option for the Christian. Amen. You don't get to be a Christian and believe in Christ and put your faith in what Christ has done and be like, I'm pretty good the way I am. (laughs) It's not an option, it's an eventuality. Whether you want to change now or you want to wait till heaven, if your faith is in Christ, you're going to be different. Amen? You're going to be different. You are going to be made more like his image. You are going to be kinder, wiser, gentler, humbler. You're going to turn away from the things that used to tempt you. You're going to be able to say no to things that felt like you had had power over your life. And I can tell you this because I've had testimony of testimony in my life and in others. That the power of God is real. And so this is why Jesus died too. We forget this. He didn't just die to pay for our sins. He died and he said this beautiful line. He says, you guys know the work we've been doing? Yeah, we've been casting out demons and doing miracles and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, you're going to do even more. Even greater works are yet to come, but I have to go to my Father. You're going to take my Spirit, and you're going to keep doing these works. Amen? This leads us to our, our last point in your notes. What is hope? That you've been repurposed. If you believe in Christ, you are, a, you are a project in motion, and this is a beautiful thing. I love to pick up rubbish. I love Hawaii because they get so much good stuff on the sidewalks, yeah? Yeah? People leave some really good stuff. A lot of PCS happening. I was going to put some pictures up, but there's some stuff that I picked up. I'm like, oh, this table's mean. Like, if I just put in a little bit of sanding, a little bit of elbow grease, I can turn it into something beautiful. This, Christian, is what God did with death. Death used to be the end. And Jesus said, no, you're not long, no longer the end. I'm going to possess you and channel you so that there will be new life coming out of you. Amen? So put it this way. Death has been conquered, it's been defeated, and you're looking around and be like, wait a minute, I still see death all around me. Well, guess what? Guess who's in control of it? Revelations 1 says this Jesus says this about himself. He says, I'm the one who's gonna live forever and ever. The keys to death and to Hades are mine. Death is his little snitch. (laughs) He owns death, he uses death for his kingdom purpose. So death for you and I as Christ's followers isn't a fear anymore because Christ has paid the death that mattered so you and I can have a new life in him. So Christ is like, yo, die to yourself. The New Testament tells us all the time, oh, don't try to be a better person. Die to the old person. Come up new in the Holy Spirit and be a new person. Don't be perfect. Be new. Allow the Spirit to change you. And if you do that, God is going to give you a new purpose. Amen? When, my, when my, my wife and I got married, and some of you guys know this story, I had this calling on my life to be a pastor. I didn't see it at the time, and I was just like, I'm just going to work with kids. I like people. I'm going to do people work, whatever that means. And I had this addiction to lust, pornography, that crept into my marriage when we got married because I didn't address it. And this thing was eating me up from the inside, and plenty of people probably know how that feels. Tang was pilao, Like, it was just like from, I felt rotting from the inside. And I'd come to church, and I'd feel like, this is me. Look how great I am. Look at all my accolades. But back home, I felt like a different person. It didn't happen until I allowed, I would try my best. Let's say it this way. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to be try so hard this time. (laughs) You just wait. I'm going to try so hard to stop it. And the slave master's up there laughing at me. It's like, Keep trying. Keep trying to habituate yourself out of this deep-centered sin that you have in your life. That's ruining your marriage. It's ruining your relationships. It's ruining how you look at women altogether. And God's, God's like waiting for me. He's like, Mark, give it to me. I paid for it. You don't have to pay for it. And there's something that shifted. And has shifted in our marriage, and it shifted everything for me. When I gave that up to the Lord, and I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to abide in you and trust that I'm going to bear fruit. I don't know what that looks like. And I stuck with it. And I tell you this, and I tell you this with no exaggeration. Within months, bringing it up, hashing it up with my wife, trying to figure out what does transformation look like? How do I get rid of the slave master that's keeping me down? And know what what the solution was? You're in church. It's Jesus. Because as soon as I gave it to him, guess what happens? I wake up in the morning, I just don't feel tempted to do it. All right, I'll keep going on my day. Even if temptations would come, the mindset of being so repulsed by what was going on in the screen and understanding the hurt and the pain that it caused made me be like, oh, why would I be tempted by something that God finds so repulsing? My heart was changing. These weren't insights that I had just a matter of weeks ago. But the Bible promises this, that the Spirit transforms you by the renewing of your mind. So this is what's happening. The more that I think like Jesus, the more I fix my eyes on heaven and recognize who he has called me to be, the purpose that he has wired in my life, that becomes the focal point of everything. Everything else seems to fall away. I didn't have to strive to overcome my sin. I had to surrender it. And when I surrendered it, God was like, thank you because I already paid for that. Amen? And I tell you this right now, because that was 2014. And this isn't just like a pat me on the back. This is to say to you, do you even know what power lives within you, Christian? Do you understand that? Do you, like, imagine yourself three or four years from now, the things that seem to linger and dominate you, that have you wrapped around its finger, the lingering evil in this world, the power to be able to say, you know what? Christ has paid for this, power already. she get nothing on me. God's, you're God's footstool. So I imagine with me that Jesus didn't just rise so that we could be happy, so we could be free. Yeah, we're free for freedom's sake. But I wonder if we recognize that he has repurposed your life and my life because of what he's done. What I didn't know at the time That was 2014, uh, sorry, 2012. By 2014, two years later, Lord led me out of a life addicted to lust because that's when he called me into pastoring. And he knew there's something in your heart. I can't lead you into your calling until I deal with this sin. So I recognized really quickly, God wasn't just doing it just because he loved me. Yeah, he loves me because there's something, there's a path for me that I didn't recognize at the time. And so I want to say this to you really clearly. For many of us, repurposed death is a tough thing. Some of us have body illnesses, and you've been like going through such a hard time. And Christ is like, you've been healed, and you're going to be healed, and it doesn't feel like it sometimes. But the joy of the Lord is this, that we rejoice in our sufferings because the hope is in not what death can do, but who holds the keys to death. So if he holds the keys to death, I have no fear in death because it's going to lead to him. Amen? So every situation you might be going through is actually now a channel. It's an opportunity to encounter the living God. That's good news. This is good news for you and for me. So I don't have to sit back and be like, well, God seems mean in the Bible. And why would he do this? And have, these are real questions that people have. But it's, no, where does darkness actually stand now? Da- darkness sits in the pocket of God. He says, I'm going to use you for my kingdom purpose. I'm going to use death. And the promise is when he returns again, all evil, all death, all sin have to go. There's a day coming where no more lingering evil is going to come. But the invitation for you and I, Christian, is to walk as if heaven was already here. Because guess what? It is. Jesus came and he said what? First thing he said in his ministry, behold, the kingdom of God is here. You and I are citizens not of this world. We're citizens of somewhere else. And that citizenship, if we take it seriously, God is going to lead you into a transformed life, and you're going to look different to people, right? When I look around this room, I'm going to be real. I don't see people in brokenness. I see open tombs, right? When I look at Fale, and you guys know Fale? Where's that guy? When I look at Fale, brah, you guys know Fale's story? Fale's a brand-new person than when you first met him, Amen. Because of the work of the living God. Have you heard Auntie Paula's testimony before? How she found Christ? She was a different person. But look who she is now. Every person in this room is a story. And I want to say this again in God's repurposing. I was talking to one brought on the back yesterday. Or last week. And he has got these big scars on his arm. And he's kind of like, oh, I'm sorry. No, look at that. That's kind of my past, eh? But here's the deal. You and I take wounds. We catch cracks in this life. From people. From government, from work, people, whatever it is, our family even, we catch cracks and we have these open wounds and it feels sore. But when we take it to Christ and surrender it and say, Lord, heal me from this, what happens to a wound when it's healed? It becomes a a scar. And what is a scar? A scar is one mo'olelo in process. You get to tell a story. This is what happened and this is how I was healed. And I tell you this today, how many times I got to speak to young people about lust, and telling them, guys, I have a scar on my arm. It was a wound, but it's been healed in Jesus' name. If you been healed physically, you have a story to tell. You testify that story. Amen? How many of you have ever had a second chance in life? At anything? Amen? If you've ever had a second chance in a relationship because you screwed up and you had a second chance, guess where that second chance came from? Your screw-up didn't matter to God. He gave you a second chance. Amen? And he worked through the hearts of the people who allowed you back in. For many of us, every second chance is a reminder of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So don't take your second chances for granted. Because this is the way the Lord works in all of us. Some of us as I hear this all the time, near-death encounters and stuff like that. Just crazy stuff happens. You're like, oh, I get one second chance. All of a sudden, your purpose is on the table again. What am I doing with my life? Can I tell you what your purpose is, according to Scripture, according to Jesus? is that you would be harvesters in a great field of people who are hungry for God, but don't know it. That you would be fishers of men, that you would lay down the things, the selfishness of your own ways, that you might catch people and lead them to Jesus. Can you receive that purpose with me? That's not just my job. I'm a pastor. That's easy. But that's a cocko thing. That's the entire church. So if you're finding, like, where is my purpose in life, and your purpose is falling under your work, your achievements, your accolades, your schooling, and trying to find this question, who am I supposed to be, you might be looking in the wrong place. If I asked you this question, where will you be in five years, most of you will tell me this, I'll be working here. I'll have this kind of house. I'll have this kind of car, right? But for the the ones who know Christ, if you ask me where I'll be in five years, I'm going to be so patient. I'm going to have a humble heart, and I'm going to just not jump to anger every time I get upset. I'm going, to learn, I'm going to be so good at loving my enemies that people are going to look at you and be like, why do you love them? They backstabbed you, right? What is the call for the Christian, your purpose? To walk in the image of Christ as he reveals himself more and more through the power of the living God inside of you. You're changing. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're changing. You're not going to be the same person. Allow the good news of Christ to change who you are from the inside out. Amen? Are you guys still with me? Amen. And so this one, I just want to kind of throw this out there because this is so important. That the resurrection calls for participation, right? Kainoa read that beautiful verse, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's he who lives in me. This is the life of the Christ follower. I give up my life so that I can have a better one a better one that he dictates in my life. Amen? This is exciting. This is really, really good news. So if you're like, oh, pastor, I don't like give up this and that and this and that, guess what? If you follow Jesus, he's going to slowly pull those things off of you that aren't of him. But what is of him, holy ambition, holy character growth, the things that are of him are going to magnify when the Spirit of God is operating in you. And I've seen that so many people in this congregation just have such a lively presence of the Spirit in you, and I see it, we see it, and we're blessed by it. But I want to just kind of encourage you this. What would it take for you to have an openness to receiving the Holy Spirit as Christ died so that you could receive that Spirit? What would that look like in your life? Imagine who you will be in five years, not what you'll be doing in five years, but who you will be, a son and daughter of the Most High actualizing the reality of heaven in your earthly life. That's crazy. Can you dream with me about that? I'm dreaming about that. When I see our church, I dream about that. What would so-and-so look like if heaven grabbed them and said, this is who you are, and they listened to the voice of the Lord, and you became that person that we all see inside of you? We all see it. Anyway, last quote. This guy's really smart. 400 A.D., this guy named John Chrysostom says this. There flowed his side. He's talking about Jesus on the cross. Water and blood. The water and blood symbolized baptism and the Holy Eucharist. It's a weird passage. They speared Jesus in the sight on the cross. Water and blood, it said, came out. From these two sacraments, the church is born. From baptism, the cleansing water that gives rebirth and renewal through the Holy Spirit. And from the Holy Eucharist. Since the symbols of baptism and the Eucharist flowed from his side, it was from his side that Christ... Fashioned the church as he had fashioned Eve from the side of Adam. He finishes like this As God then took a rib from Adam's side to fashion a woman, so Christ gave up his blood and water from his side to fashion the church, his bride. God took the rib when Adam was in a deep sleep, and in the same way, Christ gave us blood and water in his own death. Amen. What's the point of Jesus dying and resurrecting? He birthed the greatest movement of all time. And no, was the most defining factor you can read history for the church in that first 300 years after Christ died and resurrected was martyrdom. Rome went nuts because Christians were taking off and people were laying their lives down. And you can read historians being like, these Christians are foolish. They're dying on purpose so that others may live. What in the world is happening? And then Tertullian in the second century says this, the blood of the martyr is actually the seed of the church. The more they kill us, the more we seem to grow. This is the power of the resurrection inside of us. Amen? That martyrdom becomes an act of heroism. That I will go down with my Savior because I know it's on the other side of death. Hades and death are in his grasp. Wow. And he will use that. Whether it's a physical death or a spiritual death, he's going to use that in faith. Not just so your life will be better. It will. When you follow the Lord, you're going to find blessing. You're going to find abundance. But you're going to have a faith that can persevere all things. What a gift. Amen? Let's follow that. So, resurrection calls for participation. Jesus calls us to this thing we call baptism because this is what the resurrection was. We go down to the water. We lay ourselves in the water. And we die As if we were dying with Christ on the cross and we're rising up with him into new life in the spirit. It's amazing what's happening. So let me, I'll tell you to tell it to you this way. How can I tell you, how can I prove to you that I'm married to my wife? Everyone is like, hmm, well, you're wearing a ring. Okay, I could take my ring off. (laughs) Now tell me, how can you tell that I'm married to my wife? You could be like, well, we can see the papers. We'll go look at your marriage contract. Okay. Okay. But contracts are just a bunch of signatures. Anybody could have signed those and fabricated them, right? How do you know for sure that me and Meg are actually married? Now you guys are like, wait, are, they married? are you guys announcing something? No, no, no. We're married. We're happily married. We're fine. But here, hear me out. What's the proof that Meg and I are actually in covenant together? It's for those who were present who saw us say the vows. Amen? That's the testament to our marriage. Which people can say, I saw it. I was there. The whole New Testament was written on the eyewitnesses of people who didn't just listen. It's not like we believe this stuff because it's in the Bible. We believe it because there were people there who saw it and they wrote about it and that became the Bible. <laughs> Amen. We believe because people there saw it and the Spirit of God wrecked everything from there. Everything changed. Why do we believe it? And so, why do we do baptism? Because you can say you're a believer in Christ, you can say you're a follower, you can come to church. You can have really good behavior, but until we have seen publicly, you take your vows with God, so to speak. You enter that covenant through baptism. That's your final proof that, Lord, I give everything to you. I'm pledging my full allegiance to you because it's all talk until that happens. It's faith that saves you. It's a believing faith that saves you alone but how can you prove to the world that I'm swearing allegiance to Christ and Christ alone? I'm going to take, take a step into that water. Amen? Some of you in his room might be here being like, oh my gosh. I've been living with Jesus, but we haven't gotten married yet. <laughs> Does that make sense? We've been tiptoeing in this relationship with Christ, but I've never sworn my allegiance to him. And if you're wondering what resurrection power might look like in your life, And the hope that might bring and the people that will be affected by you saying yes to Jesus, that might start today with baptism. Amen? So if you are open and willing, come down to the beach. We're going to go right after this service ends about noon, as Jason announced. We're going to walk down to Kalamas, and we're going to watch people covenant with the Lord. There's nothing more beautiful in the world than people making a decision for Jesus. And can I just, can we give a round of applause? We have three people who've already said yes and that are going. We're so excited for them. But guys, it is Easter. It is Easter Sunday. And I hope that you take this word not as like, a, oh my gosh, that's not what we're saying. We're saying there is hope that is alive. It's in your grasp. Get it. Let the spirit of God in and see what happens. Amen. Can we do that? I promise you that every single decision you make after that covenant with Jesus is going to be rewarding, fulfilling, and you're going to find new life and new purpose. And the things, the pukas in your heart that you feel like we're missing, God's going to start filling those things. I believe that in faith. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we welcome you. We thank you so much for this resurrection power. We thank you, Lord, that we're not stuck with just old, dusty religion. Lord, we thank you that it's not just rules and principles that we're just trying our best to follow, but God, that there's a living and breathing active presence, your manifest presence that dwells in us and speaks life through us. And so Jesus, we pray that this morning, this would be the time where life would begin to flow where we may not have seen it before. So Holy Spirit, have your way. God, do you declare that every sin every feeling of guilt and dirtiness that came into this building has been wiped clean by faith. So praise you, Lord, for taking that away from us, for removing us, and declaring that sin is no longer your slave master. We thank you, Jesus, that you become our master, and you are a good and gracious God. We thank you for the grace that you lavish over us, even when we don't deserve it. We thank you, Jesus, that even in our wrestle. Even in our midst, even when we're struggling with things and we're confused and we don't know that you're a good shepherd and you walk with us the entire way. So Jesus, we pray for this journey. May our journeys never be the same after we read this story. May our journeys never be the same after we leave this place because the Spirit of God is at work changing us. And when you change us, God, we believe you're changing families. You're changing workplaces. You're changing schools. You're changing governments. Everything starts with the people of God claiming what is rightfully theirs, the kingdom of heaven manifest in our lives. Jesus, we honor you for this gift, this blessing. And Lord, we just pray in Kailua, as it is in heaven. We love you, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. I saw him with my own eyes.
1: It was incredible. Who did you see? The Lamb of God. He who takes away the sin of the world.
0: Has Jesus been good to you, family? Amen. Hey, I want to just really quickly end this way. Um, I don't want to be the only one who testifies how good God is in this house. Amen? If you've got something to share, if the Lord has been good to you, can you testify that this morning? I'm going to call people up. And do not be scared. Because if God has touched your life, you better testify what the Lord has done. Amen? The resurrection power lives in you, and we are going to be blessed if we hear that out of you. So I'm going to... Call Uncle John. Uncle John, can you come up? Yeah. Pastor John. He's going to go first. Uncle John, how has the Lord set you free?
2: Oh, we could be here for a week. Um, God touched my life by getting me sober, clean and sober for the last little over 40 years. God touched my life by uh, giving me a wife for 25 years who passed away nine years ago this month. And uh, God touched my life by bringing me the new hope, God. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. (laughs) One thing you don't know about Uncle John is when God delivered him. From the principality of addiction over his life, God has repurposed Uncle John, and he has helped dozens and dozens and dozens, over 40 years, dozens of people come out of addiction because of what he has been healed from. Amen? God will repurpose. Is there anybody else who just be like, hey, that's me too? The Lord has been that good. Oh, yes, come on. Yes, sir.
3: I'm Bill. Brother John has helped me. <clears throat> I was struggling, single dad, addiction, a lot of problems at work, and uh, wasn't following Jesus, didn't have his, a relationship with him. and I uh, was down on my knees praying and uh, praying, and he introduced me to my wife, Bridget, who led me to Jesus and completely changed my life around.) Amen, Phil.
0: Nice to meet you. Thank you for sharing. Sons, sons, the Lord has been at work in your parents. Amen. Don't miss this because it's your story too. Amen. God is good. He's with you. Bless you, Bridget. Bless your heart. <laughs> Can we give it one more time for Bill? That's amazing. I'm not going to keep you all day, but I just want to know if there are one or two people who just feel like, hey, I got to share because the resurrection is that good. Amen. Come on. Okay, Anita, come on, girl.
2: Sorry, this is what Jesus does is make you so emotional. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, I don't know if most of you know, but I'm pretty sure most of you do know that um, my sisters, our family is part Tongan, and we grew up in a very traditional Tongan church that we go every Sunday, we sing the songs, but honestly, it meant nothing. It meant nothing to me. It's just because that's what I was taught until that I took the time to go and listen and receive for what i heard from my friend was that jesus loves me he didn't love that i went to church every sunday but it was because of who i was that i'm created in god's image and ever since then it was just mind body everything changing and because of that i took that step and in 2014 September 19, I'll never forget it. My two siblings, my two sisters and I, and my brother-in-law, we got baptized together as a family. And we're serving Jesus, not because of a religion or because that's what we were taught. I'm still proud to be Polynesian, but I serve and I'm a daughter of God first. And so, if again, if this is your time, don't, don't put it to the side. Do it now. Because Jesus is coming back, and we never know when that day is. So I just love all of you.
0: You heard it from her. It's your time. Hey, one more. I feel like there's one more person in this room who's got something you're carrying, and we need to hear it. <laughs> we will wait. Can you put on the game show music really quick? No, i was kidding. Yeah, come on, out.
3: Thank you, God, for waiting for me. (laughs) No, but um, I lived a life of addiction myself, and so Jesus helped me. (laughs) Hi, Bridget. (laughs) Um, We celebrate 12 years clean and sober. We came from the streets, and my life is completely different. I'm faithful today with my husband. Some things have happened, and I forgive my birth parents. I forgive my adopted parents. Um, We went through uh, my family, or one of my children were sexually abused. Forgiven that person. Left church for a little bit, but came back to church. Um, And then... My daughter was a twin. We lost her brother. So there's a lot of scars. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of bad things that happen in life that really try to bring you down. But we're able to forgive. We're able to be strong. We're able to keep our eyes fixed on what really matters. And we can be a testimony to other people. We can still be good people. We can still love The very next day, we went to the grandma's house where my son died, and we told her we have no ill feelings. could have happened anywhere. It's not her fault. These things happen. Where we could have been bitter, we could have shut off. We could have pulled away from the church. We didn't. And New Hope Kailua really helped us move forward. Everybody who loves us was there surrounding us, telling us that they love us. Bad things do happen, we have scars. But our testimony, that's what it is. Somebody shared that their son was molested. I knew exactly what to do when my daughter told me because somebody shared their testimony. I know there's others in this church that lost a child. It's their testimony that keeps me strong. It's our testimony, and it's us being there for each other. And thank you, Pastor
1: Mike.
0: Darkness doesn't win. Amen. Amen. It has, doesn't have the last say. Jesus, he came and he gave evil a time stamp. It's pow. You're on your way out. So thank you for your resilience. We love you guys. So proud of what God's been doing in your lives. Amen. All right. Any last hands going? I could do this all day. You guys are like, I'm hungry. All right, guys. Let us pray. Can we stand as we pray? We're going to close. And hey, if you feel like, hey, this is my chance, that bad, that resurrection life that I'm hearing about, I want a piece of that. I want to know what God has in store for me that I've yet to experience. Come talk story with us right after. We're going to stay right up here in the front, but let's bow our heads. Jesus, we give you the glory. This is Resurrection Sunday. We thank you that the darkness was not final, that with Friday came Sunday, that as you rose from the grave, Lord, that we are a resurrection people, that we are Designed to walk through darkness and rise up in new life through your spirit. And so, God, I pray that this would not go lost on any ear in the room, that it is not our strength that gets us through life, but it is yours alone. And so, Jesus, we need you. You're our Savior, our Lord, because without you, we cannot get through what life throws at us. But, Jesus, we thank you that we are able to die to ourselves, that we are able to undergo cracks. We're able to undergo evil, but yet rise above it as you were victorious over death. Jesus, we thank you for the resurrection power. We pray, God, for more. We pray, God, that we would be a people who continually die to our selfishness, die to our pride, get rid of our old self, that we may be raised new to life with you. Jesus, it's all about you. It's all for you. We love you. We pray all these things. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen, church. Happy Easter. We will see you. We're going to migrate to Kalama Beach.